Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Jump on in with me. Buckle up and let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. Topping the news today, cotton harvest continues to move across Texas. Of course, we start in the valley and make our way up to the panhandle. The Rolling Plains cotton crop is getting closer to harvest. We'll have an update from North Central Texas to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Clarendon College is the oldest institution of higher education in the Texas Panhandle. And it has a well-established program that helps prepare students for careers in the cattle business. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. The U.S. Cotton Trust Protocol adds new members. Meanwhile, producers can sign up for upcoming informational webinars. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have details on Texas Ag Today. Shortage of goods continue to be a problem, and economists point to one key reason. Hello, I'm Barry Mahler, and I have the story in my report from the Rolling Plains. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The cotton crop on the rolling plains of Texas is finishing up the 2021 growing season, and farmers are preparing for harvest. Michael White of Vernon says the current dry weather is putting the wraps on this year's crop. We are finishing up pretty rapidly now just because we've gotten, we turned off a little bit drier than normal here in the past 30 days. So uh, a lot of the crops cutting out now, probably finishing up. So, uh, but it, it looks fair too. I'm going to say it's going to be above average crop. Is there any defoliation happening yet in your area, Michael? No, no, no defoliation up here as of yet. I mean, there's a few irrigated boys probably starting to think about it in our county, but uh, we still have some time. Usually September is a pretty good time to finish out cotton, so they give it as long as it can, and then you'll see some defoliation start start about mid-October usually. How about rainfall? Did you get the rain you needed on the crop this year? Yes, we really, in our area here, have been above average on our rainfall. I mean, but it's, it's kind of one of those deals. Once you get to a certain spot, I mean, it's like there's a wall there. But I'm going to say about the mid to southern part of our county has probably had above rainfall for the year. And then you get to our northern part, northwestern part of our county, it's been below average a little bit. So we're definitely two different extremes sometimes in a large county that we have. Michael White of Vernon in Wilbarker County. Democrats are proposing to spend $28 billion on farm conservation programs as part of their $3.5 trillion Build Back Better spending bill. Part of the proposal would allocate $5 billion for direct payments to farmers who plant cover crops. 
They also plan to boost spending on Farm Bill conservation programs, including $9 billion for the EQIP program, $7.5 billion for the Regional Conservation Partnerships program, $4 billion for the Conservation Stewardship program, and $1.5 billion for the Agricultural Conservation Easement program. This has been a very good year for growing hay here in Texas, so most cattlemen should have plenty heading into winter. But do you know exactly what's in that hay? Clay Burson of Lubbock is a cattle consultant with Purina Animal Nutrition. He says it definitely pays to know the nutrient value of your hay. Absolutely. I think one thing that's critically important is to understand the value of your hay. So if you haven't done so, get with somebody that can help you get a a forage sample, send it off to a lab for analysis, because if you know the value of your hay, that helps you design your programs to uh, strategically supplement that hay to get the most use out of it. So knowing a baseline nutritional value for your hay and then getting with somebody that can help you develop a program to complement the nutrition in that hay to help your cattle perform well is critically important. Once you know the nutrient value of the hay, Burson says it's much easier to design a supplement program that can complement that forage. Clarendon College has a long-running relationship with the Texas cattle industry. James Hunt has more from the Panhandle. If you're a young person who's interested in a career in the cattle business, or if you're a feedlot operator or a ranch manager seeking a new employee, you might want to look into what Clarendon College has to offer. For students, the Ranch and Feedlot Operations Program at Clarendon College not only provides classroom instruction, but also a lot of actual hands-on experience. Instructor Austin Adams says the program benefits from the help of cooperators, which are feedlots, ranches, and other businesses that play a big role in helping the students learn the trade. Like, for example, during the week-long training in artificial insemination and palpation. We get in hundreds of cows during that week, and then we go apply that. We have these ranches that allow us to come in and palpate all 400-plus head of cattle. We go in and we'll build some fence, show how to properly construct a set of pens or freeze brand, just a little bit of everything. And while the students get a grounding in animal husbandry and resource management to help prepare them to go to work, the director of the Clarendon College program, Ty Chesser, says livestock operations have come to value the school as a source of employees. They're constantly in contact with us because of the caliber of kids we recruit and the ones that are coming out of this program. The Ranch and Feedlot Operations Program at Clarendon College is a one-year program, but additional classes can be added to round out a two-year associate's degree. The program's got a rich history. It was started in 74, and so we've got a big pool of alumni out there, but they have been primarily in this kind of five-state area, if you will. And so hopefully we're going to start expanding that and drawing some kids in from all over. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The U.S. Cotton Trust Protocol is welcoming new members. Tom Nicoletti has the story. The U.S. Cotton Trust Protocol has announced the addition of PVH Corporation, one of the largest global apparel companies, and its brands, Calvin Klein and Tommy Hilfiger, to the program, significantly increasing visibility of the program among retailers. PVH Chief Sustainability Officer Marissa Pagnani McGowan said, quote, Joining the trust protocol helps us move forward in reaching our sustainability goals and driving continuous improvements in sustainable cotton sourcing for our brands and at a scale for the industry. She adds that the program will enhance their ability to provide sustainable product offerings to their customers. Since inception of the trust protocol in 2020, more than 500 brand, retailer, mill, and manufacturers have become members. 
Producer participation is the key to the success of the program. U.S. cotton producers interested in learning more about how they can be part of the effort are encouraged to participate in any of the upcoming Trust Protocol enrollment webinars. Enrollment for the 2021 crop is still open, and the webinars will provide an opportunity for producers to learn more about program benefits and ask questions. Producers can register for any of these webinars by going to the U.S. Cotton Trust Protocol website at trustuscotton.org. Upcoming webinar dates are Wednesday, September 29th, Tuesday, November 2nd, Tuesday, November 16th, Thursday, December 9th, and Tuesday, December 14th. All of the webinars begin at 8 a.m. Central Time. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and this is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. A shortage of goods continues to be a problem for farmers. Barry Mahler takes a closer look from the rolling plains of Texas. In the farming and ranching business, it's important to try to stay on schedule. Success, in fact, is tied to timeliness. Getting a crop in the ground at just the right time doesn't guarantee success, but it gives a producer at least a chance at having a good yield. The same goes for proper timing of fertilizer, herbicide, and pesticide applications. But what do you do when the world seems to have run out of everything? I admit we've had it pretty good in the past. If I need to apply glyphosate for a burndown before planting, all I had to do was head over to my supplier and get what I needed on short notice. It was kind of a pick it up this afternoon and have it applied the next day. Same with fertilizer, seed, and just about everything else that we needed. The same thing applies to parts. They were usually not more than an overnight shipment away. If you wanted a new truck or piece of equipment, well, figuring out how to pay for it was the challenge, not finding something you liked. And then all of a sudden, COVID-19 hit and everything changed. I remember calling my supplier one day and asking about some herbicide, and his reply was, I don't have any. Don't know for sure when I will, but I do know it'll cost more when it gets here. That sound familiar to anybody? Well, some economists are blaming the shortages to a system that was put in place after World War II in Japan as at least part of the problem. It seems that when Japan was trying to recover from the devastation of war, they found themselves population dense and resources short. Rather than tying up land and building time to constructing warehouses, they concentrated on manufacturing facilities and negotiated agreements with their raw material suppliers to have the parts they needed just in time so as not to have to to stockpile a lot of product. It was called just-in-time inventory. The concept worked well. It increased profits and eventually was accepted as the new standard for business that went all the way to retail sales. The problem is, is when the system all over the world shuts down, such as with COVID, the retailer is short on inventory, the manufacturer's short, and the supply of the raw materials are short, and it takes a long time for the train to get moving up to speed again. Now, of course, this is an oversimplification of the problem that we're experiencing, but according to economists, it is one of the key reasons why the world is out of everything right now. This is Barry Mahler reporting from North Central Texas for Texas Ag Today. A trapper and fur hunter convention is coming up soon in Central Texas. We'll have that story after the break. And scratches is a common term describing a lower leg condition in horses that can be difficult to control. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
When we moved to Texas, we were like fish out of water. We didn't know anyone in our neighborhood until our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent came to the house. She was so helpful and reassuring, a friendly face with that Texan hospitality I'd heard about. When we purchased a Texas Farm Bureau insurance policy, we knew we were making the right choice. We knew our family would be protected. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an insurance agent who's a true neighbor. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. You've probably heard the term scratches. It's a fairly common term describing a lower leg condition in horses. Dr. Bob Judd says scratches can be difficult to control. The correct name for scratches is equine pasture dermatitis. And Dr. Anthony Yu indicates in the horse publication that this is a skin reaction pattern and not an actual disease. Scratches can affect any breed, but is common in draft horses due to the long feathers at the pasture. The rear legs are most commonly affected, especially if the skin is white. The lesions consist of redness, scaling, and scabs on the surface of the skin that will lead to swelling of the lower legs and pain. The lesions usually start on the back of the pastern, but will spread around the entire leg and up to the fetlock if not treated. The hair becomes matted with crust and examining the lesions is painful. Bacterial infection or fungal infection can be secondary and increases the pain. The disease can be caused by anything that irritates the skin in the pastern area, including parasites, allergy, topical medication, or walking in muddy pastures. A skin condition called vasculitis can also occur which usually occurs in horses with white skin in the area. Your veterinarian can diagnose the cause of the condition with testing, which may include skin scrapings, skin cytology, biopsy, or culture. Treatment includes clipping the hair and removing the scabs, which usually requires sedation, as it is very painful, but is an important part of the treatment. Depending on the cause, treatments usually include topical and possible oral steroids, antibiotics, and antifungal medication. Keeping horses in a dry area and keeping the hair on the pasture area short is helpful for prevention of scratches. If mites are present on the skin, they must be killed with topical or oral medication. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. A trapper and fur hunter convention is coming up soon in Central Texas. Tom Nicoletti has more in today's Wildlife Report. Trappers, fur hunters, and handlers from across the United States will gather in Gatesville October 15th and 16th as part of the Texas Trappers and Fur Hunters Association. Bill Applegate is vice president of the organization. Well, the Fall Rendezvous is our semi-annual convention and membership meeting. We also provide instructions and demonstrations on how to capture different kinds of animals. We try to educate the membership and the public about proper fur handling techniques and and ethical uh, wildlife control methods. The programs, which are also open to the public at the Gatesville Civic Center, are designed to help trappers deal with nuisance animal complaints. There will be presentations on predator management for wildlife, high fence predator solutions, and predator trapping. We have demonstrations by well-known trappers and fur hunters and fur handlers from across the country. We have a fellow going to do a feral hog trapping 
demonstration using panels and T-post, and he'll set it up right there in the demonstration area. And we also have other guys in doing oh, coyote and bobcat uh, demonstrations, and even beaver, how to control beavers. Bill Applegate with the Texas Trappers and Fur Hunters Association also says attendees will be able to visit a nearby ranch and pick locations to set traps. I'm Tom Nicoletti on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. We kicked off the week with a lower trade in the cattle market on Monday, but we saw a big jump in the cotton and corn markets. We'll take a closer look at all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Trains are everywhere. You should always expect one, even on private property. Only cross tracks at designated crossings that fit your equipment. If you don't fit, don't commit. Whatever you're operating, secure your load, raise your equipment, and avoid getting stuck or causing damage. Minimize distractions. Remember, noisy equipment drowns out the sound of a train. Unless you're crossing, always keep a safe distance from train tracks. Look. Listen. Live. For more info, go to oli.org. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. A bearish cattle on feed report released on Friday caused a lower cattle market on Monday. The cattle on feed numbers coming in larger than expected. Placements into the feedlots also coming in larger than expected. And that put pressure on both live and feeder cattle prices on Monday. We close with October live cattle down 52, 122.40. The December down 35, 127.80. February live cattle down 22, closing at 132.40. The feeder market sharply lower. October feeder cattle down 257 at 154.77. November feeders drop $3, 155.57. No cash fed cattle trade on Monday. All is quiet as we kicked off the week. Boxed beef prices were mixed. Choice down 76 cents, 302.56. Select up 52, 275.05. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pins with Larry Marble. When you hear the auctioneer sound off on a Monday, it's time to talk to Riley Rhodes, Live Oak Livestock, Three Rivers, about the way he sold cattle a week ago today. Riley, how'd he go? Well, a good bit cheaper this week, Larry, than what it was the last few weeks. So the good cattle, uh, I quoted them. You know, the better end of the cattle, probably three to six lower, but some of the crossbreds and uh, Burma crosses and stuff, uh, some of those could have been six to ten lower. Took quite a bit of money off of cows on the rail prices, uh, especially on the light carcasses. Uh, so that kind of caused them to be four to eight lower as well today. Ended up with good volume, 1,724 head. Um, you know, had a good market test. We did have those uh, stocker cows here today. Had some pretty good pairs. Uh, they brought from anywhere from 850 to 1425. Had some red cows from 725 up to 1175. Uh, the packer cows, like we talked, were a good bit lower. 58 to 70 on your high yielding cows, your breakers 56 to 64, canners 22 to 48, the packer bulls 82 to 90 on your high yielding bulls, 62 to 82 on your low to medium yielding bulls, the 2 to 3 weight choice steers 168 to 196, heifer mates 138 to 158, uh, 3 to 4 weight choice steers 172 to 208, the heifer mates 134 to 152, 4 to 5 weight choice steers 158 to 180, heifer mates 134 to 148, 5 to 6 weight choice steers 138 to 168, heifer mates 126 to 144, 6 to 7 weight choice steers uh, 126 to 142, uh, the heifer mates 116 to 120. 
28, the seven to eight week cattle to your choice steers 116 to 134, and a heifer mate 112 to 122. You know, we had all the buyers here, but they just, uh, everybody certainly uh, wanting to buy them cheaper. And the calves are fat, you know, this time of the year. And, you know, just the quality is a big issue right now, too. Uh, when they start taking off money, the, the lesser quality are the ones that go first. Right. We got some special sales coming up. Yes, sir. October the 11th, we'll have our wean calf sale. Uh, that's on a Monday. And then uh, October the 23rd is a Saturday, and uh, we'll have our special cow sale. Tell everybody how to contact you. 361-813-6650 is a sale. 361-786-2553 is office. LiveOakLivestock.com is a webpage. Neighbor, we've been speaking with Riley Rhodes from Live Oak Livestock. Sells them every Monday. Thanks for joining us on Walking the Pins. I'm Larry Marble. Good day. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now where lean hogs close sharply higher on Monday. October hogs up 297 at 9025. December hogs jumped 475 to close at 8155. Class 3 milk was mixed. September milk unchanged, 1653 a hundredweight. October milk up 25 cents, 1755. A big jump in the cotton market on Monday. In fact, we were almost limit up at one point during the trading day. We still closed a couple of hundred points higher. A few things coming into this market. Fears that the U.S. crop may be smaller due to weather problems. Also, potential trouble reported with the Indian cotton crop and a lot of technical buying, all pushing prices to the highest level we've seen in nearly 10 years. December cotton up 206 points, 98.05. The March up 225 at 96.82. Next year's crop, December 22, was up 88 points, close at 84.46. A strong finish in the corn market, somewhat impressive considering that we're right in the middle of the Corn Belt corn harvest, and weather conditions are great for harvesting up there right now. Warm to hot temperatures, mostly dry weather, making for a good weekend of harvest progress, but the market seemed to shrug that off and climb higher. December corn up 12 and three quarters, 539 and a half. March corn up 12 and a half at 547. The wheat market narrowly mixed. Not a lot of direction in this market. We finish with July Kansas City wheat down a quarter penny, 719 and a quarter. July Chicago wheat up two and a half, 718 and a half. November rough rice up nine and a half to close at 1399 a hundredweight. November soybeans up two and a half, 1287 and a half. October soybean meal up a dollar twenty, three thirty-seven thirty a ton. Big jump in the natural gas market. October natural gas up fifty-nine cents, five seventy-three. November crude oil up a dollar twenty-nine at seventy-five twenty-seven a barrel. The financial markets were mixed on Monday. The Dow up 109 points, 34,907. The Nasdaq down 49 at 14,998. The S&P down 5, 4,449. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.